What's up, Crimeaholics? It's your host, Holly, and I am back today to bring you one more episode from another podcast friend of mine. This episode comes from Three Spooked Girls, and if you have never heard of them, I highly, highly suggest checking them out. You can also find them on Instagram at the same handle of Three Spooked Girls, But also in the description of this episode, you will find all of their information to their social medias. How I first got in touch with Three Spooked Girls was I became mutual friends with Tara on TikTok. If you don't follow her, you have to check her out. She does very similar content, but a lot different content as well as what I do on TikTok. And you can find her at Spooky Sleuth. I hope that everybody is having an incredible break if you are on break right now from work or school or whatever you're doing. I hope that you've had the opportunity to spend your time with family. I hope that tomorrow you have a wonderful Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful and relaxing and safe Christmas. If you are still out there working in the retail world, I am giving you major props and shout outs because I know how crazy this time of year can be. I hope that you guys all at least get some sort of break and if you don't celebrate the holidays, I still hope that you are able to get a little bit of downtime during this time. I cannot believe that 2023, it's so weird to even say, like it stumbles coming out of my mouth. I cannot believe that it is upon us. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode from Three Spooked Girls and give them a like, a follow, and a subscribe. All right, I'm going to hand it over to them. Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal... You get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal. With the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica and as always I'm joined by my favorite gal pal Tara. Hey spooksters. Please ignore my voice tonight. Tara and I already recorded one episode and for some reason right now my voice has decided to like die. (laughs) We're going to be here for it. It's going to make it uh, a little bit, I don't know. It's just going to, it's more ambiance for (laughs) y'all. 
If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. We have an amazing Facebook group. It's Three Spooked Girls Official. We love the stuff that happens in there. We just did a like a blind get book exchange, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. We've done some really fun things that you might want to check out. It's a great place to discuss episodes. So like if you want to talk about today's episode, like you have thoughts, feelings, you want to rant, it's a place to go is over to the mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. group. It's all yes. there. If you want to help support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. It's also in the show notes. All our shit's in the show notes, including our TikToks. Tara's is spooky underscore sleuth. And mine is spooky aunt Jesse. Jesse is spelled J-E-S-S-Y. If you're like trying to find me, that's probably why you can't because. Just go to the link tree. Everything's there for you. Everything's <laughs> in the link tree. It's very, it's very easy for y'all. Yes. Including our tickets to the live show. Come hang out with yes. us on May 5th. On um, March 5th, not May 5th. March yeah. 5th. March 5th. <laughs> My God. May 5th is so far away. Uh, <laughs> yes. So if you were thinking about going and you hadn't made your, your mind up yet, we do have some extra time on that for you to check out. <laughs> okay. With that, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to Tara. She's going to start talking about the case. We're going to be talking about the murder of Tiana Notice. Yes. Okay. So Tiana Notice was born on February 4th, 1984 to Alvin Notice and Kathy Lewis. Tiana has three brothers, Tyrone, Tyreel, and Christian. Her parents weren't together at the time of her murder. So Tiana also had a stepmom named Veronica and a stepsister named Natasha. So big family. Her parents said that from an early age, they knew she was special. She was described as a child prodigy and was said to be extremely ahead of her classmates academically. On top of that, she was pretty well-rounded. She was a part of choir and singing groups all growing up, and she loved, she loved music, obviously. She was also described as extremely artistic, and she liked to write songs and poetry. She also had completed her first year of college at the same time she was finishing her senior year of high school. She would graduate from University of Hartford with a bachelor's in political science and was in a master's program at the time of her death. Her mother said that she loved to argue, and so she encouraged Tiana to pursue being a lawyer since she was great at debates. It was said that Tiana was interested in that, so she had thought about possibly attending law school after finishing her master's program or wanted to go the political route of her career at the time she was still deciding. In college, she also founded a chapter of the Roosevelt Institution, which is described as a nonprofit, nonpartisan national network of campus-based students' think tanks. And it said its members conduct policy research on pressing political issues facing the world and present it to policymakers. So she was like very much into that world. And she was also, she took a leadership role with this and was said to be a mentor to all of like, you know, the undergrads and new students who were entering the chapter. She also participated and volunteered at the Women's Center on campus and more specifically helped with the Eating Disorder Awareness Week and World AIDS Day. And at the end of the day, though, the three most important things in her life, according to her parents, were God, her family, and her friends. So our case is going to take place in the early-ish 2000s. So in 2007, Tiana had just gotten out of a five-year relationship with her college sweetheart, but had met a new possible love interest on MySpace. Like, man, that dates it. That fucking dates it. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) And this man's name was James Carter. On paper, he looked like he had all his shit together. Looked being the key word there. Mm -hmm. He told Tiana he was an executive in insurance or some article said he told her he was a manager at a finance company that he owned a house and didn't have kids but wanted them one day. Spoilers, this was all fucking bullshit. This was all lies. Now, Tiana had been upfront with him and said she wasn't looking for anything serious and she just got out of that long-term relationship, but it didn't matter to James. He began spoiling her. He got her a brand new cell phone. He had added it to his cell phone plan for her and he bought her all new tires for her car, aka love bombing, just saying. But she didn't think too much into it She thought he was just being nice and doing things for her like this because he cared about her. Well, the two essentially have a relationship and about six months in, shit hits the fan. James would be arrested and sent to jail for five months for domestic abuse of an ex-girlfriend. And along with this would come to light, he had a whole laundry list of crimes on his records with violent tendencies, so assaults and all kinds of stuff. And also at this time, it was said by Tiana's dad, that they believed that James was also cheating on her. So obviously, with the combo of all of this stuff, she left him, as she should. Now, once James was released, he did begin to stalk her, and he would sit outside of her apartment. He would follow her to the grocery store. If she was just going out with friends, anything. He was always lurking. And she had actually went to her dad and told him she needed help getting a restraining order against him because stuff was getting out of hand, obviously. And he said he asked her and she just said, he's bugging me. He won't leave me alone. But James would beat her to the punch and he filed a restraining order against her. And when he did that, he claimed that she punched him in the face, kicked out a taillight in his vehicle and assaulted him. But from what I saw, that was not fucking true at all. And even though he was the one with the restraining order, he could not leave Tiana alone. And this is when he started sending her threatening emails. Now, He didn't come out and be like, it's me, James, duh. He posed as a ex-girlfriend named Jessica Banderas. And this went on for two days straight with like tons of emails. Some of them had said things like, trust me, baby girl, you're going to lose everything. As God is my witness, punishment is on the way, so be prepared. You will have bad luck, you hear me? Remember this email when karma bites you in the ass. Obviously, that's scary. Right. So she took these to the police department and she's like, hello, it's obviously him or, you know, whatever. And he's in violation of his fucking restraining order. And the police just shrugged it off and they were like, nah, that's that's not threats. It's fine. It's fine. I just can't believe they said they weren't threatening. Right. It literally like says the word punishment in it. Exactly. And over the next couple of months, she got more emails, phone calls, texts, all kinds of shit. And anytime she went to report this, None of it was taken seriously. And her mom did an interview saying, I don't know why they didn't take my daughter seriously. She went and visited the police station 33 times in six weeks. I do. Let that sink in. That is a lot. That is. I know exactly why they didn't take her seriously. Yeah, I do too. He had the restraining order. So they Mm -hmm. think that she's just crazy. Yep. And James began to follow her to work, to school everything. He would literally just park outside of her apartment. And obviously she'd report this, but again, they were just like, nope, whatever. It's fine. And it obviously got to the point where she was frustrated and just didn't know what to do. Her mom talks about how she was just crying hysterically in her car. And she says, mom, you wouldn't believe these people. They treat me like dirt. They didn't believe anything I told them. They thought I was lying. 
and one officer accused me of having a fake restraining order. Then I spoke with a sergeant that said, oh, nothing's going to happen to your daughter. That's what he said to Kathy. And she said to this sergeant, look, I don't want my daughter to become a statistic. I'm telling you now, if something happens to my daughter, you better move to another planet. So yeah, this police department completely failed her. Mm -hmm. So after this, or during all of this, I should say, there comes a point where Tiana finds all of her tires slashed in her car. So her dad installs essentially a ring camera. It's obviously 2007, so it's like, or, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, it's early 2000s. It's not like how they are today where it's just like, you know, on the app. Right. So the camera ran out of memory or footage or what have you at one point. And they just kept having bad luck with this because there was a time that he showed up and left a handwritten note on her call on her house, on her door saying, you know, I didn't cheat on you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, sweet. Like we have the camera pointed at Tiana's car. He has to walk right by it. We got him. But there was no space. So it didn't record that. So they tell the police still, even though they don't have that. And the police say, oh, we'll bring him in. We'll bring him in for a handwriting sample. Like, And then some reports said that they said that they would arrest him because of the restraining order violation. And obviously they could hold him and find out about this note, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, because that's what people don't realize is that like when you get a restraining order, you can't do it either. Like you can't call them. You can't do anything or you're in violation. Exactly. So this is all bullshit. They actually don't do this. But Tiana's parents or her family is like, hey, you should probably stay with us until he's for sure in jail. And so we know you're safe because obviously he doesn't give a flying fuck and he will just show up at your house. Right. So Tiana says, "Okay, I'll come stay with you guys, but I'm going to run by my house really quick and grab an overnight bag. And that's where I'm going to hand it to you, Jess. One thing to note is that Tiana had just left the police station. Yeah. Just fucking left the police station because basically they were like, you know what? We don't believe that this is a real restraining order. We need because you need to go to this other police station and have them fax it over. Mm -hmm. And so she had to go to the police station to have them fax it to this other police station. And basically they told her that if she faxed it over, they would immediately go out and arrest him. Mm -hmm. So she felt a little secure, but that is not what fucking happened. What happened was the police called him and said, hey, dude, like, you're in violation of this restraining order. If we pick you up, we're going to fucking arrest you. And I don't know if their their thought process was like, okay, well, maybe we'll scare him to stay away from her for a while. Right. This had an adverse effect because she basically got home at like around 7, 720 mm-hmm. at night. And like Tara said, she just kind of told her, her mom, like, hey, I'm going to come over to your house, but I'm going to like... I need to get my laundry and because I want to, you know, do laundry at your house. And I also need to get some other stuff. So that's kind of like where we leave her. And then at 941 p.m. And mind you, this is February 14th. So it's Valentine's Day of all days. Yeah. yeah. Tiana calls 911. She's irate. She is her voice is elevated. She's screaming. It sounds like she's giving it her all. She yells, I'm bleeding to death. My ex-boyfriend stabbed me to death. At this point in time, 
Her neighbors hear this and they freak the fuck out and they come out and they look for her and they find her. Mm-hmm. One of them, because obviously like James had been like hanging out there like a lot because he right. was stalking her. Mm-hmm. It was easy for a neighbor to be like, okay, that's that's the dude, right? She also right. identifies him in the 911 call, which is recorded. So, you know, the neighbors get on the phone. They're helping everything like that. It's, it's a bloody fucking mess. James had stabbed Tiana 20 times, if not more, and at least two of them penetrated her heart. And this happened as she, like, literally got in her front door. Yeah. So, you know, James is on the run at this point, but he does do something interesting. He contacts his brother and then confesses that he has stabbed Tiana. Mm -hmm. Like, the fuck? Right. Tiana is rushed to the hospital, and... Her parents, so Kathy gets there and Alvin gets there as her dad, and they get there a little bit before midnight. So they said about, she wrote a quarter to midnight, so about 11.45. Kathy says, I saw the expression on the receptionist when I identified ourselves. I saw the look on the surgeon when the surgeon came out and told us that we were going to have to find a place to meet. Then the team of doctors came in and they told me we did everything they could. We even did hand massage her heart but she'd lost too much blood and we couldn't revive her she was gone mm-hmm. so at this point they have to go and identify their daughter and alvin says that there were stab wounds literally everywhere and you know they're upset and they're saying like who did this who did this and of course it doesn't take them very long to identify that it's james carter jr yeah Less than an hour after Tiana passes, James is arrested and charged of suspicion of murder. Mm -hmm. Her funeral was held on February 21st. It was at 9 a.m. And I have a feeling with like how close her family was, this was probably like a, a real big deal. Yeah. So this took place in 2009. Flash forward, it takes a couple years for James to go to trial. Now, he's made a confession to his brother who eventually, like, you know, tells the police, like, hey, my brother confessed that he did this. Obviously, at this point, they, like, when the police show up, they fucking know who did it. There's, like Mm -hmm. Tara said, in six weeks, she went to the cops 33 times. Right. That's an insane amount of times. Mm Mm-hmm. I just keep trying to think about, like, how... That's almost every day. That is, that's just over five times a week. Yeah. Like five, like five and some change. You know, some weeks she went a little more, but that's, yeah. that's like five. T- if, I'm sorry. I do respect law enforcement, but like if someone is coming to you that often, go look at it, go look into it, go see, exactly. like, obviously this dude has a history. He spent five months in, in jail because of a battery on someone and that alone that alone would have been mm-hmm. taken into account and been like, well, this guy has a violence tendency. We can't let him near her. And right. one of the things that like kind of irritates me is when you have cases like this, people start saying things. Well, if he's stalking her for all those months, why didn't she just move? That doesn't fucking matter. Right. He would have found where she was. Exactly. She would have had to drop out of school. She would have had to change her whole life. I, I'm so sorry. Like, I have to say this. I am so fucking sick and tired of people when things like this happen, they're like, why didn't she do blah, blah, blah? Or why didn't they do blah, blah, blah? No, why the fuck can't people just act like normal humans and not stop? Like, I've never had the urge to stalk someone. Well, shit, 
not even focusing on him. Why couldn't the fucking police department do their fucking job? Right. Right. Like the fact that they like one, they tipped her off Two, she said, like, I'm going back to my my house before I go to my mom's. Why couldn't have a police officer have like gone with her? Exactly. I mean, this I mean, and I don't know, like maybe she didn't ask. But at the same time, like if again, if I was somebody who saw like if I was a police officer and I know police officers and I know that if they saw this like pattern, they would be like, wait a second. This doesn't seem Mm -hmm. right. So it's either a apathy at their job that they're just like, whatever. Or they looked at this young 25 year old beautiful woman and went, "Mm, you're getting attention from a dude Mm, that must suck for you. It's disgusting either way. Right. So when they go to court, there's just a mountain, like a slew, a fucking warehouse full of evidence against this man. We have 33 visits to the police. Obviously, there was the camera, I think, caught some stuff, Mm -hmm. but nothing like I think it was like more like they would they would just see him, that type of thing. So they had that. They also Tiana does in the 911 call identify who did it. She says my ex-boyfriend. Granted, she doesn't call him by name, but we all it would be very weird. Right. If just an ex-boyfriend from another relationship did this. And James's brother and his girlfriend testify that James confessed to it. Mm-hmm. So they were like, mm, no, he's he fucking talking. Yeah. So the case was heard in New Britain and the New Britain Superior Court Judge Frank Adabo. He called this a, sen- a killing, a senseless, needless and violent tragedy. He said that the evidence was chilling. Like when a judge tells you this. He was quoted saying, you were inches from her looking at her when you were stabbing her and causing her death. You need to be punished and society needs to be protected. So it didn't take very long because this is kind of one of those like fucking open and shut cases, you know, like he confessed, Mm -hmm. they had something, they had evidence, they had. And at this point in time, I'm sure they're bringing in the police officers that she made reports to, probably the one who helped issue his, his restraining order. So he is found guilty, obviously, because he confessed Mm -hmm. and is sentenced to 60 years in prison, which is the max sentence allowed in Connecticut. Jesus. (laughs) So you're telling me like if you were like 18, you'd be out when you're 78. Yep. Wow. And you're getting three meals a day. Fuck that noise. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, people of Connecticut, that your tax tax money is paying for this asshole. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Well, obviously, Tiana's family is never going to, like, nothing's ever going to make up the difference they feel losing their daughter. Right. You just can't. However, they did file a wrongful death suit against Mm -hmm. the Waterbury and the Plainville Police Departments, and they were found negligent. Good, because they obviously fucking were. Jesus. Mm -hmm. In April of 2014, Tiana's family received a settlement for $10 million. It's a lot of money. The jury found two of the three Plainsville police officers, Officer Mark Conoy and Sergeant Richard Marquise, they were not immune to the legal action. And so, yeah, they were were in trouble because their $10 million is basically because those two specifically didn't do their jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, There was, I guess, allegations against the Bloomfield Police Department because that's the town that James lived in. But mm. 
I don't think she ever really contacted them. Right. So they were like, they were dismissed. Mm -hmm. However, the city and the police departments to this day do not believe that they were in the wrong. Jesus fuck. Yeah, their official statement is that they didn't do, that they did exactly what they were supposed to do and that they were, yeah, that this is the quote. It says, the town continues to believe that its officers acted properly, but we believe all involved are best served by reaching a negotiated conclusion. <laughs> Ugh, sorry. I'm just like, I can't believe this. So yeah, it's just, are you fucking kidding me? Obviously, Tiana's parents were, like, relieved that somebody was being held accountable other than right. just James. I mean, obviously, James is going to yeah. spend most of the rest of his life in prison. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, literally, it was five weeks between the time that he got the restraining order. Yeah. Because she'd contacted the police before that. It had been five weeks from that moment to the time she passed. Yeah. And, I mean, she had brought in evidence. And I don't understand this. Like, I. I don't know. And maybe if we have officers that listen and you want to like message me like your opinion on this, that'd be fine. Mm -hmm. I would rather be wrong and err on the side of like protecting someone right. than to be like, well, you you're just a crazy ex-girlfriend who's trying to fuck over her boyfriend. Because there right. are cases like this where when you double down and you're like, mm -mm, nope, it's fine. Nope, it's fine. That it's not fine. Exactly. Well, you might be thinking, wow, Tiana's family has all this fucking money now. Like, what do they do? So they started the Tiana Angelique Notice Foundation, which is working to toughen laws against domestic violences and murders. Mm -hmm. And they also are creating slash kind of created a GPS system hmm. that basically this GPS system is there to prevent murders. Oh. There are patterns that can be predicted with great accuracy. This is coming from, I believe, the website. Like, mm -hmm. the, this is coming from the foundation website. Mm -hmm. With great accuracy, when an abuser, when abusive partner is about to commit a murder, GPS tracking is the best way to stop them. Mm -hmm. Many states are passing laws to allow judges to order and police to enforce GPS tracking on batters, and many women are alive today because they did. Amazing. Like, so basically... If you had been convicted of domestic violence, you would have to have some sort of tracking on you that would alert someone to you being near them. Mm -hmm. This is fucking genius. Yeah. And if you're out there going, that's an invasion of privacy, you fucking lay hands on people, you don't get privacy. Exactly. You don't get privacy. Mm -mm. No, thank you. That's bullshit. Spouse, like domestic violence, spousal abuse, abusing children, all of that shit. Like, yeah, I mean, I think this goes even farther to something than just domestic violence. This should be something that is put on like sex offenders, mm -hmm. especially sex offenders of children. Because how yeah. much easier would it be for a police officer to get a notification that a, a predator was near a school right. versus waiting for someone to call? Or I mean, this is kind of like, you know, we always hear that cops wish they could stop the crime before it happens. Like, let's fucking, this is the way to do it. Right. So, yeah, you can definitely check it out. There is a website for the foundation and whatnot. I just mm -hmm. think that, like, this could have been, this is a preventable crime. This was a fucking preventable crime. Yeah. If someone had taken her seriously. I mean, if you just look at her, she's not like, she's not a party girl. She's not the girl like who's was constantly in trouble. She's not like crying wolf. No. Like he has a past record. He has the shit. And I, 
I get that, like, no, I don't get anything, actually. I just don't understand how nobody fucking was like, how do we help her? How do, like, what police officer did they, this department need that went, wait a second, maybe we should just, like, make sure she's okay. Maybe we should follow her home from the police station. We did just fucking call and alert him. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. It should. It should, but it doesn't. It's a fucking joke. Right. Like, at the end of the day, a lot, not saying all, so nobody fucking come at me, but it's like so many people just like, I don't know, it just seems like this attitude that comes across as like, well, I did the bare minimum, so it is what it is. Right. And and I get that, like, okay, I get that you can't, as a police officer, be everywhere and prevent every crime. But here's a young woman who came down as articulate figuring out, doing the fucking legwork, trying her damnedest to protect herself. You're telling me that you don't have the, like, foresight to be like, maybe we shouldn't, one, maybe we shouldn't call him and tip him the fuck off to this. Right. One, we should not tip him off and be like, she's going to go stay with her mom or whatever they fucking told. I don't know what they told her. I'm ex- I have no idea. Yeah. But, like, he obviously knew that she was going home. He went to her house. She was in her house. He attacked her. I'm just, I'm over here just like, dude. And the fact that no one went, you know what we should do? We should take her home, wait with her until she gets her bag, and then wait till she leaves to, like, not follow her. Yeah. Because if they had done that, he would have been there and they could have arrested him. Yep. That would have been very simple. That would have been like, I mean, in that point, they could have tipped him off. Like, they could have tipped him off and been like, they could have waited till she left to go to her mom's and then be like, She's going back to her place and then going to her mom, so leave her alone and just fucking wait there for him and to show up. Oh, shit. But I mean, like, I doubt they even told him that. It's just the fact that he knew he was at risk of being arrested. So him being a violent psycho, he went over there to make her pay for it. Right. Right. I mean, I think you're right. I think he knew. I think he knew that his brain of terror was going to come to an end real soon. And he was going to make her, I mean, he wrote her emails. Yeah, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Exactly. There was no fucking, well, this came out of the blue. This isn't like maybe he was a little, like, you know, maybe he showed up where he shouldn't be. Or he said some, like, inappropriate things. Like, nope, he's like, I'm going to punish you. You are going to be punished. And he did. And we can't all sit back and be like, well, we had no idea this was going to happen because 33 times in six weeks is a Mm -hmm. fucking unreasonable amount. Fucking six times in six weeks is an unreasonable amount. Yep. There are so many women out there today who have passed away because nobody took the time to believe what they were saying and their fucking offenders just get away with it. And it scares the shit out of me. Like, as a woman, like, walking through the world, like, will my voice be taken care, like, be taken seriously? Obviously, that fucking asshole went down and said, hey, my girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend did this shit. There's no proof. And they gave him a restraining order. They fucking believed him. The man with a violent record. But not the woman who's like, look at these emails. Look at this. He's doing this. They're like, nope, you don't fucking. What they said to her is you don't fucking matter. So that's my soapbox. Yep. Jessica hasn't ranted in a while. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I'm not sorry, but you know what I mean. I'm sorry I haven't ranted in a while. That's what I mean. <laughs> okay, so with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude today's episode. We hope you learned something. If you, like we said earlier, if you have thoughts and opinions, you want to share them with us, go to the Facebook group. It's Three Spook Girls Official. You can go there. There's 
there's a thread and you can discuss it. Mm-hmm. And we will see you back here on Thursday for another stabby snippet or something like that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.